Do you think you may have a problem with your alcohol consumption or drug use? Are you thinking about quitting and want to know what all the sober hype is about? Whatever the reason, I'm so grateful you're here with me today. My name is Sarah, and I am the creator and host of Sober Gratitudes. I once was an active alcoholic, and after decades of failed attempts to control my drinking, I finally reached out for help. Letting others help me is why I'm here today, living a life I never thought possible. The suffering of my past was the catalyst I needed to find recovery and be receptive to healing. I created this podcast out of the desire to recover out loud and, with the help of my guests, show you how a better life is possible after addiction. Whether you have been here before or you are a first-time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a moment to write a review on Apple Podcasts so that it can reach more people who may be struggling. Together, we can help those in need. You can also reach me at sobergratitudes at gmail.com with any questions or comments. Thank you again for dropping in today, and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Sober Gratitudes is a podcast dedicated to spreading the hope in recovery from addiction. It is an inclusive show that does not promote or represent any recovery program. When my guests and I discuss what keeps us sober, we are referring to our own unique experiences. Our goal is to encourage and give hope to those who are struggling and need support. Sober Gratitudes podcast is proud to come together and partner with Valor Fitness Clothing in our mutual mission to support and encourage the recovering community. Based in Los Angeles and inspired by real recovery, Valor Fitness lives up to its mission. With one item sold, Valor Fitness donates one item to a homeless shelter or transitional rehab facility. Because Valor Fitness Clothing supports Sober Gratitudes mission, everyone can receive a discount when shopping. Use the code GRATITUDE20 at checkout. Also, every guest on my podcast will be graciously given a gift certificate from Valor. We're stronger together when we come together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah, and I am so thrilled you came in to listen to another amazing episode. In today's episode, I speak with another sober mom and an autism mom. Her name is Michelle, and she's from the Instagram account, Waking Up Free. Michelle is a fierce advocate for creating and maintaining an education system that fits all children. She also hugely advocates for parental self-care. Michelle uses her educational credentials, exceptional knowledge, and creative gifts to offer various ways for parents of children who learn in unique ways to express their feelings about daily living. Michelle's biggest accomplishment is being a proud mom in recovery. She is dedicated to reaching out and helping other moms fighting to get and stay sober. Find her unique journals on Amazon. The link to the Amazon account is in the show notes. I hope you enjoy an inspiring episode about staying sober while parenting children on the autism spectrum. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm good. Michelle uh, is from the Instagram account Waking Up Free. And um, I was drawn to you, one, because you're a sober mom. And also because you're a sober mom who is uh, raising children, one of whom has autism. Yep. And um, that is something that, you know, we, we have two things in common. I'm really excited to, to have the listeners hear your story. Tell me a little bit about your life before you got to day one to sobriety. Like, what did your life look like? Well, I, um, very isolated time in my life. Um, uh, being, we, we weren't sure yet. We hadn't had a proper diagnosis for my son and it was an ongoing everyday battle with, um, his, uh, behavior and emotions. And we, we still had no idea what was going on. And, um, and then we have, I have a daughter as well. So it was this balancing of trying to give her this normal life and, um, trying to figure out, get, get help, trying to, um, find the right resources. None of that was happening. Every place we went to wasn't helpful at all. And, family, friends, a lot of them um, were, because um, they, they didn't know, they don't understand. They were like, what are you doing wrong? So there was a lot of shame involved and a lot of um, frustration and hopelessness. So I think I did okay for a while, but I just broke because I did not have any tools. I had nothing nothing to help me. And I was uh, just spiraling in this deep anxiety, depression. Um, and, you know, had it not been for my children, I would have, you know, I thought about killing myself so many times because I thought I'm not a good mom. I'm not good enough. Why even be here? You know, I, they would be better off without me because obviously I'm doing something wrong. And, um, so it was this constant, okay, then I would kind of pick myself up again and say, all right, let's go back and try to figure out um, what I'm doing wrong or what we're doing wrong or, you know, um, and, and try another way. And then it would fail and the cycle would repeat over and over again. And um, so I, start, you know, started, I hadn't drank for many years and then I started you know, just a little bit at a time. And it was like, I had never given it up. I mean, it was just this huge instant um, connection to where like, oh, I feel anxiety. First thing when I wake up, I wanted to drink. But I was like, all right, I got to take the kids to school. So I, you know, I'll wait. And then it was like, oh, well, you're going to feel miserable halfway through the day. And, um, you know, you got to kind of sober up before you pick them up at school. And then there came times when I didn't even do that. I didn't even sober up to, you know, completely sober to pick them up. Um, and it's very shameful for me to say that, but uh, it was my only coping mechanism at the time. <clears throat> and I was hiding it uh, very well. Um, and as a matter of fact, lots of people had no idea, even my kids say, you know, when I started going to meetings, they were like, you know, why are you going here? You know, you don't drink. And, uh, but that's just how, uh, good I had become at hiding this horrible, horrible thing 
And um, so that's pretty much the way it stayed. And it was this, this very shameful, sneaking, lying to my husband um, kind of time period where, you know, I'd say, okay, I'm done. And, and then, you know, I'd be, you know, sneaking money out of our account to go, you know, buy alcohol or something. Um, so that he wouldn't know, but I just felt like I could not live without it. Like if I didn't have a drink, I wasn't going to be able to take one more step in the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the way it stayed until, um, I went, um, I, I went and I knew where to go. I knew I had friends in AA. So, um, I went over there and I tried it off and on for a couple of months, but I wasn't a hundred percent ready. I don't think I hadn't really trusted the process. So um, I think I finally um, um, finally got to the point where it was either that, like I literally thought I was going to die. I mean, I felt so much shame. I thought I was going to die. And um, so I had no choice but to go over there and just, I was done. I was ready, like 100% tired, exhausted, emotionally, physically. And the whole reason that it came out as waking up free is because I would wake up in the morning and feel like this huge burden every morning. Like I, I woke up, you know, or my, you know, this life is so horrible. And I remember about two weeks into sobriety, waking up and feeling that freedom and feeling that sense of relief. Like, oh, man, you know, I don't have, it's not there anymore, that pain. And it wasn't just the drinking. It was everything, you know, um, the way that I looked at the world changed. So you had been sober and then. Yes. You, then you started up again and then mm -hmm. you had, and then was it just to get a timeline, just to get an understanding? I had, yeah, I had been sober when I had my kids. I got sober, like literally, you know, when I had my children. I had, you know, was like, that's it. You know, I'm really going to stick and go in two feet and do this. And I quit drinking because at, in my mind at that time, the drinking had only affected me and because I hadn't had children yet, which was not true, but at the time, that's what I thought, you know, okay, well, I don't want it to affect my children. Let me do this. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when things got really hard off the rails, hard with your, with your, with uh, especially my, son. yes, yes. I did not have, I didn't know what to do. And so by accident, I thought, oh, I could drink a little bit. I haven't drank in years. I've drank, I drink, uh, you know, once or twice along the way. So I thought oh, if I drink, it's no big deal. I don't, I don't have, but then it just came back with a vengeance. Like, mm. Oh, you know, um, you know, what would be good right now, uh, a drink or, you know, what would be really good right now to take all this away is a drink. And it just came back so ferociously. I was drinking things. I never drank before. I used to just drink beer or whatever. Then it was hard alcohol. I mean, that was just, just, and my husband even said, you don't drink hard alcohol. And he would find these bottles all over the house. And I'd be like, I know it's, it was crazy. It was, yeah. and I've heard stories before, but I hadn't experienced it. And when I did, I totally understand why it ended up there. I can still see yep. what was going on in my head. 
but uh i yes that was pretty much the way it had happened (laughs) yeah so it speaks to the progression of the illness that when when even when we stop like when we quit on our own or even in a in any kind of program recovery if we stop for four months or four years or you know for there's a progression so you're this disease is continuing to you know, kind of do push-ups while we're not drinking. And yep. then when we pick up again, it's actually far worse than, mm-hmm. than it was when we stopped. Um, and, and that's, that's when we see people dying, you know, yep. um, when they, when they go back out after so many years and then they, they drink so much and they just, it, it, death institutions, jail, you name it. So, okay. So that, so, and I also want to make clear too, um, because um, I know from my experience, um, I've always wanted to, especially in the beginning, I've always wanted to kind of like protect my children with regards to my alcoholism in that mm-hmm. that they did not cause my right. alcoholism. Right. And for me, it was very important to convey that it wasn't, you know, cause they, they are actually like, they were like the, the kind of the fine, the, the biggest catalyst to, to me. To saying, okay, I've, yes. For me to go and ask for help because I, because of how much I love them and love them and still love them mm-hmm. so, more than myself, like it, so much more than myself. And so I, I, I needed to make sure that people didn't think, you know, this is when I was like, Oh, what do people think of me when, you know, right. that, that, they didn't, their diagnoses or the fact that I had three children in, you know, in a four and a half year period that, and I, and I got two diagnoses within a, you know, short amount of time I, that did not cause my, my alcoholism. percent it, it had it, nothing yes. to do with the kids. Right. And, and, yeah. It was just another problem, you know, whatever the problem was, the, right. the, was my inability my, I had no skills to cope with whatever was happening at the time. It could have been bankruptcy. It could have been a car accident. It could have been any major blow. I didn't have the skills. So that is such a quick and easy thing to pick up. But it, yep. I, And I always say this. My kids are my best teachers. Yes. They have helped me. They have helped me be a, a good human. And had it not been for them, I wouldn't have probably even uh, really wanted to get any kind of help because I knew in my heart it was wrong doing all these things. I just didn't know how to to change it. And they were the whole reason for me wanting to change because I just, it would, it would break my heart to know that they, that I died too young, you know, or something. I know I can't control that. But I can control what I do here, you know, to myself. And um, it would just, my kids are younger. I didn't have kids until I was in my 30s. Mm-hmm. So already, you know, they, they, they're, you know, 10 and 12 and I'm 47. Mm-hmm. So, and I just felt physically horrible. I was grouchy all the time mm-hmm. and uh resentful of my husband, resentful of everybody. I just got really nasty. I mean, not too much to them, but I wasn't the responsive parent um, 
that I should be. And I knew that. I was like, you're so exhausted physically and mentally. You're not able to do for them. And maybe I wasn't physically abusing them, but I was not present. Yes. I was not there. I can tell I, I want to speak to that too, because um, that that's where I felt that I, I, I don't want to use the word fail. Cause that's being a little too hard on myself where um, I was doing, I was, I was, doing what I needed to do as a, as an autism mom, but I was, you know, but I, and I was relying on that crutch of drinking, Mm -hmm. um, because it was so emotionally hard for me. And, and I, that was when I was drinking, that's when I was blaming myself for their autism and Mm -hmm. I was making their autism about me. Right. How is that useful? How is that useful? Like I can think back now and be like, you know, that I wasn't, I wasn't as, I wasn't being useful to help them. And I wasn't being present enough because I was so full of self-pity that I I must've done something wrong Mm -hmm. to make them have autism. And it was wasted time because I, I, I wasn't exerting the energy into, okay, what, you know, what else can I do to make their lives a little bit easier and to, and to help them set them up for success and how can Mm -hmm. I advocate for them? And, and that's when I started to learn about self-advocacy mm-hmm. and that's what I want to ask you about, because that's something that I, you know, we talked a little bit beforehand and I see in your Instagram account that you are big into self-care mm-hmm. as an autism mom and as a mm-hmm. mom in recovery. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, that is something that's not tapped into enough um, in the world of autism and parenting autism is that I see the default is, you know, let's go out for drinks. Oh, I can't handle this anymore. You know, what a day mm-hmm. with, you know, my, mm-hmm. my child with special needs, I'm going to drink. And I'm not saying that all parents, with special needs kids are like this, right. but I, I think there's a lot more than, you know, than a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. And there's, there are, there are parents who don't want to admit to it because they feel that shame, which you and right. I understand, right? Mm-hmm. We understand because we're like, how else can we get through this? This is so hard. So I need that drink to take the edge off. So mm-hmm. tell me, I want to hear about your experiences as getting to that place of um, kind of being, um, you know, um, being a part of a mission to let's take care of the parents. Let's, let's help the parents learn how to take, um, you know, care of themselves so that they can take care of their kids with autism. And I think once I, cause I, I had been so focused on what my child, uh, you know, getting him what he needed that I totally lost touch with, um, the fact that I had a role in his behavior and emotional, mm. um, the way that he responded. And I had no idea that, uh, you know, you deplete yourself. And so you think it doesn't matter as long as they get what they need, then that's the most important part. And there was this, this huge isolation and it still can come. I have to really make a point of going and doing something, you know, once a week just to get around other human beings because my child is homeschooled. So I tend to kind of hover here, but um, we need that connection with other people. So, um, but at that time I didn't have the understanding that I wasn't a bad person, that I wasn't flawed. I, you know, I felt broken and my, I felt, you know, my child felt broken because why wouldn't he, you know, why wouldn't he feel that way about himself when he's being constantly told 
that you're not doing something right. You're, you're not doing the right thing, which was not true. Mm-hmm. He is not broken. He's perfectly fine. He was just being put in situations that didn't work for him. Right. And um, so the same is true for, for me. And the more that I pulled back on it, I realized this isn't about my child. He has his own hero's journey. You know, I give my job is to give him the skills. And but if I'm not OK, he he feels it. He yep. literally feels it. If I have a bad day, he's going to have a bad day. And it doesn't matter how many smiles I fake. He he knows like uh, it, it, it's just the strangest thing. Um, but that whole entire um, emotional connection um, you know, my daughter, she's a little bit more sunshine and marshmallows, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's happy and, you know, um, and just one of these low maintenance kind of kids, but my son is just a deep feeling human. So he feels everything, uh, that's going on around him 10 times stronger than, than another person. So if I come in and I'm feeling all this self-loathing, it's not only going to come out in my emotions, but it's also going to come out in words I say. And mm-hmm. um, if I'm here uh, talking about, you know, how bad of a, a person I am, or I'm not this, or I'm not that, all of that is what they listen to and they pick up on. Yes. And so um, when I pulled back, there had to be this piece of taking care of myself because I cannot change another human. I cannot... Uh, change his behavior, nor do I want to. I mean, for years I thought I did, you know, like I've got to get him the right tools so that he can be this person that looks this way and behaves this way. And, and uh, there was a lot of fear behind that, but that's not my goal. My goal is to be a happy mother and have myself put together in a way that he can benefit from that. Because if I'm not happy, he's not going to be happy and that, you know, he's not going to be well adjusted. He's not going to know how to use the right tools to handle uh, problems that come up for him. And Mm -hmm. isn't that the whole thing? He has a big issue with self-regulation. Well, Mm -hmm. well, well, so did I, (laughs) you know? And so everything that he struggled with was directly related to what I was going through. So I knew I had to work on myself before I even, you know, said, you know, got to him and said, look, you know, this is the things we need to work on. It it came to a point where it was like, look, if I start working on me and dig out all this garbage, slowly I started changing the way that I thought, the way that I felt. He started, his behavior started changing. He started to change. And that was because I was taking care of myself. Because it's real easy to blame a child that's not behaving, you know, yep. the way that we want. And, oh, he's not in control. He's got this. He doesn't know. It's his disorder. Blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that the more that I'm okay, the more he's okay. And that was just the way it was. And not taking care of myself was, uh, by, especially with drinking, that just, that whatever issues, emotional, psychological, psychological issues that I had. And I had a lot just were so much worse with drinking. And um, I was totally ineffective, uh, as a role model. And, um, that, that came back to, okay, I can't change the past, but I can work on myself now. So I love it. 
I, I, you're, when, when you're sharing this, you're reminding me about an interview I had with a, a previous guest. Her name is Gabby. She has a son on the spectrum and she said the exact same words that as soon as she started to get better, that she noticed her son's um, behaviors got better in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure at home too. I can't recall if she spoke to the home, but I'm sure that's the case. You have to take care of yourself first. If you're not doing well, I, and I, I made these excuses. I can't, I'm a mom with special needs. Don't you know how busy I am? I cannot do that. I don't have that luxury. It's my, you know, if he only did what he was supposed to do and we haven't had the support. I mean, I had excuses for days and, um, but when, when you let go of all that, it's very freeing because the only person that I had to worry, like I'm talking about focus on, uh, changing was myself. What can you tell the listener has been one of your, I guess, the most unexpected gratitude in sobriety? My biggest gratitude comes back to my, um, the way that I have been able to grow because I was not prepared for life. Uh, you know, as, uh, you know, even at 35, I was still emotionally very, um, as far as skills go, I had no skills. And so I think the biggest gratitude is being able to enjoy my life, instead of it being this chore, or this, you know, series of unfortunate events, that, you know, in between something good might happen. And not this temporary uh, good time feeling that you get from any kind of encounter, but this foundation of joy that does not leave regardless of, of what's going on in my personal life. And that has been my biggest gratitude because I can handle anything if I have peace, you know, inside and not stressing and not worrying. Um, And that, you know, the, the biggest gratitude is, is that it's helping me to help other people. And that feels so good to me to be able to help others and not feel like it's uh, like, I don't matter, but I do matter. And I am, what I'm doing is important, not just for other people, but for my family. And that's going to last for generations. So, um, that's huge. So that, those are the two biggest things for me that are, you know, couldn't buy that. And so, um, I'm grateful. And I used to hear that all the time, grateful for being, um, being, for having had these experiences because it has brought me to where I am now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I am, that's biggest gratitudes. Oh, what a, what a wonderful, powerful, profound message you're, you're giving us today, Michelle, that, you know, to, especially what, what resonates with me is the feeling useful that, Mm -hmm. you know, when we put the drink down, when we stop focusing and obsessing over when we're going to get our next drink or drug, right. We get the opportunity to be useful. So before we like finish up here, um, Mm -hmm. Michelle, can you share some examples of some more examples of how things have changed positively for you and how you parent and parenting, you know, a child with autism? 
Well, one of the things that I did was um, I, you know, I was, I was already going back to school, but I changed my focus instead of focusing on trying to save or fix somebody. I, I wanted to find out what, what the whole thing was about because I started to want to help other families because I knew that there was a lot of people uh, going through the same stuff and um, feeling alone. So um, I went back and got, I'm working on my master's. I'm almost done, but um, that's what I've been doing and just learning from uh, just such a brilliant people. And then also um, being around people that have had years of sobriety and really understanding, not just being sober, but being joyous and full of, you know, being happy, excited to be alive and they have problems. Those are the people that I gravitated towards. Hmm. Um, I was like, you know, I've, I've seen people that are sober that are, you know, grouchy. I don't want to be sober grouchy. I wanted, I wanted to be free and I wanted to understand how do they handle these hard things. And so I just started reading ferociously um, anything and everything. I did not stop myself from picking up things that before I might've said, Oh, I don't really believe in that. Or I don't want to, you know, that's, I just did, it took all the limits off. And so I really wanted to, um, and, I mean, I didn't have to keep it or own the material, but I wanted to read it. And so I decided to be open and um, open-minded about what I was going to, you know, use. And I just learned so much um, because I took myself out of that middle, like, oh, I I don't really believe that or I don't, you know, whatever. I just listened, a lot of listening. And um, it really has impacted me because I, um, one thing led to another in reading and then writing. And between that and learning what I was learning in school, uh, it, it really helped me to see, you know, I'm not broken. I am absolutely not broken. My child is not broken. We just did not have one, the right perspective on what it is to be happy and joyful. And um, yes, these problems are going to come like ocean waves, mm-hmm. but we just ride the wave, you know, and that's pretty much, you know, instead of feeling like oh, this shouldn't be happening to me, it's just like, okay, this is an issue. Let's, let's deal. What do we got to do? You know? And that's kind of what, what really fundamentally changed instead of saying, Oh my gosh, you know, this happened or this happened and it shouldn't be happening and it's not fair. And why is this happening? It just was, okay, this is normal life. (laughs) Life is Mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. So let's see what can we do to um, plug in um, some of those things that we know work. And one of the things that I do every single morning is I have a quiet time in the morning, prayer, meditation, but I, um, Cause I was, a, I was very angry for a long time about with, not with God, but with the whole, uh, I guess the religious aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I had been a devout, you know, Christian and follower and, um, but I rejected it. I rejected it and I didn't want anything to do with anybody that was 
talking to me about any of this stuff because I just didn't understand any of it anymore. So I really switched gears to a more of a spiritual walk where um, it, it, and less, you know, I guess the structure of it wasn't, it wasn't the same. And, um, you know, I decided that I was going to be more open to what God was telling me. And, and that's kind of what helped me to every morning have this open kind of dialogue with my quiet time, my, my, uh, prayer, meditation, and then journaling, writing, lots of writing, whatever came up, I would just write, write, write. And I wouldn't edit it. I would just kind of like get it out. Mm -hmm. And it helped me to kind of see sometimes like, oh, you're being really, uh, you know, like if I'm upset at somebody, it would just jump out of the page that you know, I'm whining or something, you know, or you're just complaining, what's going on with you? What's going on inside you that you're angry at this person? And it was just so helpful to kind of, it was like a rough draft of conversations a Mm -hmm. lot of Mm times. So um, it helped me to kind of edit myself before I, and I thought, this is such a good tool. Um, I I wish I would have known this, you know, three years ago or five years ago. And um, I, I don't think it would have been the same because I think I needed the the perspective and the, the maturity. But um, it, it is, I mean, there's some days when I don't feel very great. I don't feel ha- super happy, joyous and free, but I'm not miserable. I know that it'll come back. I know that that joy will return. Maybe I'm tired, maybe, you know, whatever I may be feeling sick but I know that it's coming again that 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 bad feeling is is just temporary and it will come you know go away and a part of that is you know me writing or or me speaking to somebody that I know has um uh, who's had so much sobriety but is also happy um you never see them talking ugly about anybody you don't see them uh complaining you see them uh very happy. And that that's who I sought out. And I still do in a lot of ways, try to hang out with those types of people. Um, so that was very helpful. Yeah. It, it makes a difference to, um, to know that you have that choice of the kind of people that you want to spend time with. Um, and, um, I know in, 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 uh, recovery, I have learned how to, you know, to thine, self be true right know, in terms of like the yeah to, you know that that um I don't have to go out and save the world you know right. um that uh I I can I can choose who who um you know who fits into my life um in a way that's healthy mm-hmm. and um and where I can be honest and there can be mutual trust and um non no judgment mm-hmm. um between us and 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 also to to find you know your your squad um you know that whether it be over social media and or right. in real life you know and mm-hmm. and, and and that's been such a and it, 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 social media has been so much more than um i expected it to be um in terms of um helping me with you know the sobriety piece and the um, autism piece, but now the, the chronic illness piece. And, and I yep. know a lot of people do the same thing. And, and, um, I love, I'm, I'm looking actually right now on Amazon, um, 
how you have, it looks like you designed some journal um, covers for, yes. for mothers, for, yep. for moms. Um, so, so tell me about that, how that came about and, and wh- what, what you have on the, um, that is offered for sale and what sure and sure what else you're doing with that well I run a group also on um on Facebook called DMDD journey which is one of the diagnoses that my son had and a lot of these kids that are kind of on the cusp of autism end up getting this diagnosis and they fall into this like no man's land and uh families are just they're unsupported and um So I kind of put this little, you know, group together really because of like you were saying this, you know, that we need this connection. Mm -hmm. And I felt very isolated when my son was um, going through, he was taking off some medication. There's months when I couldn't leave the house. I mean, then that can still happen um, where he's, he doesn't want to go anywhere. And I, I can't leave, you know, and so I'm alone. So instead of giving up and saying, well, I might as well just give up. I can't make a meeting. Instead of that saying, you know what, I'll get to the next meeting. But in the meantime, let me make a connection with other people. Mm-hmm. And um, whether it's because of that, you know, and whether it's a sober connection or whether it's just another parent connection. But uh, but not putting those limits that's all or nothing thinking on myself. And part of that came from reaching out and helping other families because they kept saying over and over again, when you help other people, it it helps you. And so just being there for them, empathetic ear, listening, just uh, don't even have to say anything, but just listening to a mother or a father or a grandparent, whoever's the caregiver kind of just, pour out their heart because they're hurting because they don't understand. And having been there, um, be able to just listen and reflect what they're saying, um, was so, uh, helpful to me because I felt useful. I felt, um, like I had a purpose. And, um, so I, I spent the last maybe year and a half building these two pages and kind of the waking up free is the parent aspect of it. Like, hey, you know, we got to take care of ourselves. And this is our spiritual and emotional maintenance. And then the DMDD journey is the more, here's tips for education. Here's tips for, you know, the therapy part of it. All of those things that go in uh, with the non-judgmental finger pointing <laughs> way, you know, and um but I kept on telling, you know, I always say that, you know, I have to take care of myself first. And my, I keep coming back to this routine. Of, I mean, I can have a really horrible day, but every morning I have my quiet time, my spiritual time where I do my little reading and, um, and then I do either, you know, like just for today or something, something involving sobriety. And then I do a little journaling. And then of course I end up posting now I post, you know, what's usually something pretty relevant to something that I'm going through. I want to be very transparent and authentic about myself because um, I didn't want it to ever come across uh, like fake, you know, like this is um, this is this beautiful life that, you know, and this is perfect. And 
I want it to be real. And um, so that's kind of what I did. And then I, you know, somebody had suggested making um, some journals, putting journals together. And I learned that process. And I wanted to kind of focus on parents with special needs. And I've only got a few out so far. And they're very inexpensive, five ninety nine, six ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just short little journals, whether, you know, some of them are just for taking to IEP meetings or, mm-hmm. or keeping notes from the doctor's office that have, but it's just something, you know, that they get to see, hey, you know, I, I'm an ADHD mom, or I'm a, you know, DMDD mom, or, you know, any of these things that we don't get to see when you go to order, you know, there's cheerleading mom journals, there's all these different types of journals, but nothing really reflective of that identification. And uh, so I have plans for adding more. I'm just starting it. It was something fun. Um and something to just um, let everybody know that, you know, they're, they're not alone and they, they're, they're important and they need to be able to find that time every morning to whether they feel like writing, not writing, I don't want to write anything mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> has been one of my entries, but it really is such a, it's been such a healing process for me that I had to, to, to share that because, um, it really has helped me. And so I thought, you know, encourage that. So that's why that all kind of came about. What you're doing for your, for yourself and for your children and your family and for, for other people that you don't even know through your Instagram account and, uh, and what you're selling, what you're, what you created that's um, for sale at, at a minimum price on Amazon. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you must feel really good. I'm excited for you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Good, good. Okay. Well, I hope, yeah, well, today is Friday for us and we're heading into the weekend. So I hope you have a beautiful weekend and I'm glad, I'm glad that we're connected now and and I hope to stay in touch. Yes. Thanks for having me. Okay. Take care, Michelle. Bye. 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 Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety. Sober Gratitudes, a podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it. Thank you.